0: Take up your Bibles, do confess that I made a bit of an error, instead of reading Isaiah 53, which we'll be reading this evening, I'd like to read Isaiah 52, Isaiah 52 as the first reading, and then a Psalm 119, the first eight verses as our text for this morning. Isaiah 52, we'll be reading from the first verse to the twelfth verse. Hear now the word of our glorious and great God. Awake, awake! Put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments. O Jerusalem, the holy city, For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing. And you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, My people went down at first into Egypt to dwell there, then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what have I here, says the Lord, that my people are taken away for nothing? Those who rule over them make them wail, says the Lord. And my name is blasphemed continually every day, Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. How beautiful the mountains, how beautiful, excuse me, upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices. With their voices they shall sing together, for they shall see eye to eye. When the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Be clean. You who bear the vessels of the Lord, for you shall not go out without haste nor go by flight, for the Lord Lord will go before you And the God of Israel will be your rear guard. And then turn with me to Psalm 119. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed. When I look into all your commandments, I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not utterly forsake me. That ends the reading of God's holy word. Pray that it is a blessing unto us. Judging by st- Psalm, the, the, this psalm's place in the book of the Psalter and its content it points to the age of the exile in Babylon during this time there was no temple there was no sacrifices there was no priesthood and they longed to go back To Zion. They had no means of worshiping God. It would have been very much like the time of COVID, but without YouTube or Zoom. If we were not able to go to church, unable to hear a pastor, unable to partake of the sacraments, what would we do at home with our children? Most likely, you would have opened Scripture. You would have read Scripture to them and maybe some other devotional material. Well, this is what the Israelites would have done too. It was unimaginable for an Israelite to live without worship. So, to fill the void, they substituted the temple for the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. The study of Scripture, which is what they had at that time, took the place of offering sacrifices. And what they would have come face to face with as they open up God's law is God's law to govern every aspect of life and per- for the purpose of being God's holy people. They would have read texts like Leviticus 20, verse 20. For I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples. That you should be mine. Be holy, for I am holy. They would have read Deuteronomy five, sixteen, as we saw in Exodus 20, in the reading of law. Honor your father and your money, that, uh, your mother, sorry, that it might go well with you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Which is indicative of the honor that they were to show God Almighty. An Israelite reading this would have been hit with the reality that, they, that it had not gone well with them. In fact, it had gone so wrong, they had dishonored God so bad that they weren't even in the land anymore. This realization would have brought grief that is described in Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon there, we wept when we remembered Zion. The word-abiding Israelite had a longing for Zion, a longing for holiness. And this is what we see in our psalm. The psalmist meditates on the way of holiness. So this morning I want to look with you at three points mentioned in your bulletin. Or begin by the joy of holiness. Verse 1. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless. Who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. The psalmist, in the first three verses, lays out the happy and good life of the one who follows the commands of God. That man is blessed. That man is happy. The blessed person enjoys well-being. In every aspect of his life, blessing brings contentment, joy, strength, economic well-being, security. As we saw in the Old Testament, as we read through the oracles and the prophecies of the golden ages of Zion. The Lord blessed the kingdom under David. But let me read you a couple more verses to bring this point across. Psalm 144, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 146, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. Proverbs 16, he who trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Proverbs 29, happy is he who keeps the law. These are just to name a few of what we see throughout all of the Old Testament. Scripture has given us what happiness is. We look at the world around us and everyone is trying to find what? Happiness satisfaction. Money is the popular one. Win the lottery to buy more stuff. You can quit your job. Love is another big one. You need to find love. They don't even know how to define love. But the scriptures, like I said, have a totally different description of happiness. It is being close to God. I think of Adam and Eve before the fall. In Adam in, his, Adam, in his innocence, he was blessed with everything. His slate was clean. His heart was inclined only to do God's will in caring for God's creation and having dominion over it. He had fellowship with God and walked with him in the cool of the day. In perfect submission, perfect blamelessness. Have you ever thought about what it would have been like? What your life would be like? Blame in blamelessness. We would never become angry at our spouse or our children. You would never be hurt, betrayed. Children, you would not shout at your siblings and you would not hit them. Separation could not threaten our marriages. Temptation could not overpower you. When the pornographic image comes upon your screen, you would click it away without a moment's hesitation. A world free of sin is blissful happiness. So why did Adam have such a perfect life before the fall? Because Adam pleased God in all that he did, seeking for God's pleasure with his whole heart. He was made in the image of God. He was made holy and perfect and delighted in his creator. God created Adam. He created man. You and I to reflect God's holy character. Adam had a relationship with God Almighty. Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Well, this is what the psalmist longs for. For blamelessness, because in it, one who has fellowship with God, communion with God. So the psalmist wants his readers to grasp the goodness of God's way found in his law. It is the way of blessing. Blessed are those who keep his statutes. Now, we too often can look at the law as a negative thing, but it is a positive thing. How so? The law reveals God's perfect will for our lives, to reflect Him and His perfect character. The wonderful function of the law is that it shows us what is pleasing to God. It's our guide. If you are seeking happiness, which all of us are in and of ourselves, even as Christians, we are seeking happiness and joy, then this is the place to start. Make it your life's ambition to pursue blessed holiness. Be holy, for I am holy. To please God. To love Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. Do we seek Him with all of our heart? Is the law of the Lord your way, or is it simply in your way? The person who understands the grace of God loves the law. When we love the Lord, we will love His law, because it's His. He gave it to us, and by it we know what a godly life looks like. The picture that we must have of God and His law is not a master to a slave, but a father to a son. A father's commands are for the son's good. God gives His law to those whom He chooses and those whom He loves. The Israelites then, and we here today, delight in God's law because it is a sign that God cared so much that he gave to us instructions to guide us in our way. God's law provides security and direction for the whole of our lives. By keeping God's law, Israel glorified God. God was not asking them to earn his favor. They already had his favor. When God shows them, he brought them out of the land of Egypt to the place of the promised land. This law is to the one who keeps, the law to the one who keeps it is happiness, joy, and life. God saved Israel first and says, you're my people. This is how you to be, are to be my people. This law. Well, in verse 4 of our text, we also see that this law, this, these statutes are not optional. Verse 4 says, You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. It is a command that God demands we keep with vigorous observance. Which brings us to our second point. Because it is a command that we cannot keep. And so we come secondly to the longing for holiness. The scene changes from the psalmist meditating upon the way of holiness to being brought back into reality. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. Our ways are not steadfast. But broken. Instead of wanting what is right, we want what is wrong. Instead of walking in the Lord's way, we walk in our own way. And the end is destruction and shame. And so the good law, which God gave to us to guide us in continual fellowship with himself, now convicts us of sin, sin. Every time the psalmist looks at it, the law, he is filled with shame. It reveals his guilt. It brings him to the end of himself. We need to ask ourselves if we have the humility of this psalmist. Have we come to an end of ourselves? Really thought about God's goodness in relation to our sin. It's so easy, and it's a lie of the devil, to let us go on in life cruising. We go to church, we go to Bible study, we go to prayer meeting, we go to church, we go to Bible study, we go to prayer meeting. And we think that's enough. No, we really don't think that physically, but we can get caught up and just go through it. But when we stop and think about our sin, when we mount up our sin, it gets higher and higher and higher and higher. We're called to examine ourselves. If we do that, we will come to an end of ourselves. The psalmist realizes the state which he had fallen from. It took exile to Babylon for Israel to be hit home with what they had done. Before that, they were thinking it was all holly jolly and good. They're the nations, we're here in Zion, we're the chosen people, sons of Abraham. And God said, you've become just like the world. And they go off to Babylon. They would have felt this keenly. They were in exile because of their disobedience and their rebellion cast away from the temple where God used to dwell. They were brought low. If you are a true believer here this morning, you know what it feels like to be brought low. It's not a very nice feeling, but it's healthy. It's healthy. It means that you have not been hardened by sin. The psalmist's heart is in the right place because only when we are brought low will God build us up. Jeremiah 31, 28 28 says, And it shall come to pass that as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow and destroy and bring harm, so I will watch over them to build, to plant, declares the Lord. God gives grace to the humble, but the proud he will bring low. John Calvin said, A broken heart need not be distressed at this For no heart is so whole in its seeking after God as a heart that is broken. And so, part of the wisdom of God in this psalm is that as soon as we are confronted with it, we recognize how very blameworthy we are, which brings the psalmist to his knees. He says, Oh, that my ways were in line with God's law. Then I would keep your ways and be steadfast. Can you hear the sigh of regret that's coming from this man? He knows he's missed the mark. He cries out, out of weakness, appealing for help. It is a petition made by faith requesting Grace. What is this grace that we need? The grace that we need is forgiveness and freedom and release from our shame and our guilt. We all struggle with sin, we are all born altogether in sin and the shame of our besetting sins, the shame of addictions, past mistakes, angry words said here and there, we cannot bear to have our eyes fixed on God's law, who is holy, without bowing our heads and praying. Or, that is why we cannot stand going to church to hear the law being read. That is why we want to lie. We want to hide our sin from God. That's why lying is so sinful. We want to cover up and hide what we have done. Children, why did Adam and Eve hide from God? Because they were naked. When Roman soldiers executed a man, they often stripped him of his clothes to shame them. Jesus had this done to him when he was hung on a cross, naked and bearing the shame of our sin. In the story of Adam and Eve, Adam's and Adam and Eve's hearts are laid bare, exposing their rebellion until God clothed them in sacrificial skins to cover their shame. And every day, every single one of us sitting here wear reminders of our sin. But also, and far more glorious, Reminders of God's kind promise to us. That that a Savior would come, not clothing us in animal skins, but in his very own robes of righteousness, of blamelessness. It is the promise that the psalmist looks to and prays for. I shall not be put to shame. Our eyes will yet again look upon the goodness of God, the holiness of God, and our hearts will be forgiven and freed of shame. And this is the promise that the psalmist prays he looks to in verse 7. Because this prayer, this promise of holiness is answered in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When I, when I Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. The law is good. We have seen. But it cannot restore the love of God to us and the desire to be like Him, which was lost in Adam. It cannot restore us to the state we had before Adam fell. The law cannot accomplish forgiveness, it also cannot empower us to keep it. Therefore, the law became a signpost. To the promise to win, the perfect one would come and would fulfill the law. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Galatians 3 verse 24 says, So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. This is why we praise God. Why, God alone is worthy of all our praise and all our songs because He has revealed to us the way of holiness and the gift of an upright heart in our loving, merciful Savior, Jesus Christ. The psalmist here is looking to the hope of the promise that the prophet Ezekiel speaks about in 11 verse 19. It says, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit. I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Jesus Christ is the one. He became a man to keep the law we could not and to take the punishment for our sin upon himself so that we could be justified and no longer carry guilt, no longer bear the weight of shame. He was the one who gave us new hearts That long after him now. He was the one who restored to us blessed blamelessness. And so the psalmist praises God, saying, I learn your righteous rules. When I learn of your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Because in Christ, We will learn of God's righteous rules with a new heart. A heart upon which the Holy Spirit has engraved the law and empowered us to live unto it, to live unto righteousness. And not only empowered us to live unto it, but empowered us to see it for what it is. God's, the imprint of God's character. To love it. I would encourage you this week to go and read the full Psalm 119. He, the psalmist overflows with love for the law. He loves the law with his whole heart because by it he sees his hope in Christ and trusts God's mercy. Christ teaches us so that when we do consider God's commands as we read earlier in the psalm when we consider the law we're not ashamed any longer
1: we run right
0: to Christ we run right to the cross in light of the promised holiness that Christ is going to give his that Christ gave his people when he came the psalmist finds motivation to keep God's statutes to love them, trusting in Christ to supply all strength, knowing that the Spirit is sanctifying us. And now we know that we are prone to wander. We know that we will not always keep the law in this life perfectly because we're still tainted with sin. Yet we trust the promise of God in Christ Jesus. That there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. See, the question is not how to sin less. The question is, what do you do with your sin? Where do you take your sin? Flee to Christ. For every one look at yourself, take ten looks on Jesus Christ. He said he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Christ is found the fulfillment of the law, and we trust in his obedience, not ours. The law and Christ are not separated. In Christ we are new creations and now we love to do God's law. To grow, not to grow a store of merit. Not to knock off years off of purgatory. But out of gratitude to our loving Savior. And a growing desire to magnify the name of Christ. Because he saved me who was once was dead in trespasses and sin and i am now alive in christ raised in him like the psalmist do you long for blessedness do you long for holiness to long for it is to long for jesus christ the psalmist only had the promise he only had the law and the promise of a messiah and he trusted in that And God cleansed him. But you and I, we have the fulfillment of the promise. We have the Messiah. Jesus Christ has come. How much more ought we to praise him? In him, the blessedness has been restored. Because we walk in his blamelessness. His holiness is our holiness. In the letters of Paul to the churches, he calls them saints because they're holy, they're His they're washed are you weighed down today by sin with guilt go to the cross go to holiness because it's a holiness God does not keep from you but clothes you in. Deuteronomy 31.8 says the Lord himself goes before us and he will be with you. Because this promise, it leaves us with peace. One of the blessings of being united to Christ in Jesus Christ is peace. Our text says, do not utterly forsake me. The world is anxious about money, about stuff. Wondering. Not thinking about death, sorry. Because they don't want to think about it. They know that they can't take what they have acquired in this world with them. It will forsake them. It is vain. It is futile. It will blow away with the wind. Our happiness is in the surety of Christ's faithfulness. We have peace in him. He will never we have that promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Deuteronomy five thirty one eighteen. And so in closing this morning, by summary the psalmist started by admiring admiring the goodness of our God. The goodness of holiness, which then turned into mourning because he saw his lack of it. He saw where they were, where Israel was in Babylon. But then that turned into a longing to be reconciled to God, to have communion again restored to him. And that longing was fulfilled in the promise of the Messiah. And that's where he looks and then he starts praising God. Filled by Jesus, by grace in Jesus Christ, which brings him to praise. And this is the picture of all of our lives. This is the pattern that I hope and pray that it is in you. Born altogether in sin and in need of holiness, where do you stand? Knowing that the holiness that the Bible calls you to, but being indifferent to it. Does this not excite you? Or are you longing, hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Desires of Christ's gift given freely in the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When we realize how far we truly are from God's standard of goodness... We will be brought low, but that is a blessed place to be because it is where Christ will come and build you up in Himself. Go to the cross. Pray humbly. Ask God to come into your heart. Take away the guilt, the sin. Pray for forgiveness. Pray for freedom. He will answer. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Let us pray. O <coughs> oh Lord our God, holy, holy, holy are you. We would not even be able to say that unless you transformed us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love you've shown to us in Jesus Christ. And Lord, let us not forget, but always run to the cross. Humble, knowing that too we, that we were once dead and now made alive in Christ. Let us learn to love your word. Sanctify us by it. Transform us more into the image of God. So that when the world looks at us, we would shine. We would shine out. And the people would ask us, why are you so different? And we'd be able to tell them, because we are free. We thank you, O God. We praise you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.